0: Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. We'll continue with our study on the character of Elijah tonight. 1 Kings chapter number 17 and I will beginning with verse number 2 we just barely got our feet wet last week and so we'll continue in this this week the Bible says 1 Kings 17 and starting with verse number 2 and the word of the Lord came unto him saying get thee hence and turn thee eastward and hide thyself by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan and it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. So he went and did according unto the word of the Lord, for he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and fish in the morning, and bread and flesh, not fish, but flesh, rather bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Uh, Without really any better title uh, for this evening, I simply entitle it this. This is part two of Elijah, Brooks, Birds, and Bread. All right? Brooks, Birds, and Bread. Amen. Let us pray together this evening. Father, I come to you tonight. God, I'm grateful, Lord, for your purpose and your will, God, for this gathering. I pray, oh, Lord, I know that you're able to help us, God, as we review your word. God, take it into our lives that we can find some precepts and principles, God, to govern our lives by. I pray, oh, Lord, Jesus, tonight, God, help us, Lord, God, to lean in and make a connection, Lord, in the realm of the spirit. I pray, oh, Lord, in spite of everything that's going on, Lord, in everyone's lives, that we're able to arise to the task. Lord, to learn of you, God, I pray, and have a teachable spirit tonight. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ, that I pray. Amen. You may be seated this evening. Shake someone's hand if they're in close distance to you. Tell them you're glad that they're here and not sick. Amen. Brooks, birds, and bread. We're going to lead with tonight perhaps something that uh, is always in the back part of a Christian's mind or anyone's mind for that matter along their journey of Christendom, being a Christian and that is we struggle sometimes and face as Christians knowing what is the will of God for my life. That is an ever popular question. What is the will of God? What is the will of God for my life? And there probably isn't a single person that's even sitting out there in the audience tonight who hasn't wondered at some point in time in your life, what is the will of God for me? There may be some sitting there right now wondering, man, I'm listening tonight, you got my attention because you've done hit the nail on the head where I'm at. I'm wondering right now what the will of God is for me in this present situation that I am in so we've all come to that place in the road. We've all come to that juncture in the road. And we'll probably meet that place more than once in our lifetime. It's not like that we receive uh, instruction what the will of God is for us in a moment and not have a different moment come up in our life and say, Okay, Lord, now what is your direction? Now now what, what, what is the will? Because it seems as soon as uh, a portion or a part of that is accomplished that we start then asking the question, Okay, God, now what? You know, it's almost as though uh, He might show us the first step, and after we've taken that, we're like, okay, now what? That's great, God. I appreciate, you know, the the direction, instruction you gave me up to this moment, but now I don't know where to go. Now I don't know what to do. So where do I go from here? What is the will of God now at this place where I'm at? Elijah, our character Elijah that we began studying last week, he has spent. As we've seen just a little bit, he has spent uh, a good portion of his life among the recesses and the ravines and the hills of, of the country and the area of Gilead. He was in a place of seclusion and isolation. It wasn't a very well-crowded area, if you would call it that. It was a place where, uh, you know, your nearest neighbor were a few miles apart. And so among the recesses and, and there out in seclusion... He, obscure, he, he, he He emerges, rather, from this place of obscurity. He shows up in the grandeur of the palace with, remember, his camel hair garment and a little rustic, if you will, uh, compared to the white linen and the polish of the palace. And he enters in and he speaks. And you can read of it there in verse number one. He speaks, count them for yourself, because I did. He speaks 25 words. He speaks 25 words to this evil king by the name of Ahab. And whenever he is completed with the last word of the 25, the word of the Lord comes unto him now and says, I want you to turn eastward and abide by the brook Cherith. In other words, I realize you've just come out of a place of seclusion and isolation and you're having your debut in ministry here and you've been powerful With 25 words, but now I want you to go back to a place of isolation and go back to a place of seclusion. Now, that would be a little difficult to handle. I mean, the majority of his life, he's been there already. He's waiting for his moment. His moment comes, and his moment uh, uh, has an allocation of 25 words to it. Great job. Your whole life has led you up to this moment of 25 words of speech. Now go back to where you came from. I'm sure after he had done everything he wanted to do or what God wanted him to do, that after he spoke that last word, God's speaking to him what to say. Following the lead of the Lord. God says, this is what I want you to say, Elijah. I'm sure after he spoke that 25th word, he was probably waiting, okay, God, now what? Where to from here, God. I mean, is there another city? Is there another king or some great figure that I can go to and speak some? Or or, or am I not finished? you you got another paragraph for me, Lord. You just tell me. And the Bible says that the word of the Lord would come to him and now say, I want you to get out of here. I want you to turn eastward and go by the brook called Cherif. There's something important, though, tonight I want you to notice from verse number 2. Elijah didn't necessarily have to seek out what God wanted him to do next. Because the moment he had done everything God had already asked him to do, the Bible says the word of the Lord came to him. The word of the Lord came now to Elijah and now tells Elijah this is what I want you to do after you have done this. This is where I want you to go. We see this same phraseology later in the same story in verse number eight, after everything has been completed at the brook Cherith, the Bible says that the word of the Lord came unto Elijah and then gave him some other instruction. So Elijah did not have to go out seeking for this, searching for this. Uh you know, begin dreaming and, and, and uh, making what's happening here and this here and these two must fit together type of fashion. You understand what I'm talking about? Because I know how I am sometimes when I'm looking for the will of God. I start seeing pieces that may fit together. And so I feel like the master builder. And I, well, you know, that looks like that fits, so I, I take this and I... But, but no, no, Elijah didn't have to start doing that. The word of the Lord came unto Elijah and gave him instruction about what he needed to do. And I want to encourage you tonight that it will do the same for you. And he will do the same for you. God will come to you. His word will come to you. Sometimes that word will be through this word that he will come to you. Sometimes it will be through a lesson or through preaching. It may even come to you through uh, a distinct impression upon your heart or upon your spirit about what is the next step. But guarantee this, you truly don't have to go out searching and looking for and trying to compile and make it fit. God's Word, His divine will, will be made known unto you. And it's important to allow that Word to come to you. Yes, it is. But what's greatly important Concerning what the next step that God's will is for my life. The secret to knowing what the next step is, is being totally obedient in the first step. Remember Abraham. He's spoken of. Abraham, you and your family and those must leave the land of Ur of Chaldees and get away from your kindred and get away from your people. Yet the Bible says that Abraham's father, Tibra, and that group, they stopped at a place called Haran, which was not... Totally out of the land of urge, how these, they were not in the land of promise yet. In other words, they just went a little bit of a way on their journey and then settled in Haran. And I want you to understand that God did not speak to Abraham again until Abraham pulled up stakes and fully obeyed the voice of the Lord and left Haran and went on his journey. Now, why in the world, God, would you do that? Because, Abraham, you have not fully obeyed step one of my will for your life. And step one of my will for your life is leave Ur, child, Chaldees. And I can't show you step two until you first totally obeyed step one. And so in respect even my own life I got to consider sometimes God why ain't you sharing your will with me maybe it wasn't so much that God was withholding something from me that would have been good for my life or giving me direction but maybe there's been times that I have not totally followed what, everything I knew to follow yes, up until that point step one yes, sir. All right. but we see whenever he fully left Haran you see the scripture that the word of the Lord then came unto Abraham and then spoke to him again, but it wasn't until he fully obeyed the first voice of the Lord that had come to him in Scripture. So whenever I begin to understand this this evening, I understand that complete obedience to God, amen, at this stage in my life where I'm at right now will grant me some instructions for the next stage in my life. Me fully obeying God where I'm at right now will shine light on the path in front of me of where I still yet need to go. Uh Amen. He'll bring some enlightenment to what God's will for me is. If I could say it like this, and this is the only way that I knew how to say it, God's will for me tomorrow will only be revealed through the telescope of focusing on what God's will is for me today. Amen. So I focus on today. Hudson Taylor, he used to say, Uh, there are three ways to serve the Lord. He says, you can do what you want to do and hope that it works out. He said, or you can do what you want to do and then ask God to bless it. He says, then, he says, you can though also find out what God wants to do and then just expect Him to bless it. (laughs) There are people at any moment of time in some of those different areas, levels, either doing and hoping or doing and asking God to bless it, but others doing what God's blessing. Yes. Amen. And so sometimes in our walk in relationship with God, we set ourselves up for disappointment. And the way that we set ourselves up for disappointment is that this is, what we, this is how humanity does. We tend to think that the way that God is going to move in my present situation is the way that he has moved in previous similar situations. Right. Yes. Right. Don't tell me you haven't fell in that trap. We come upon a situation that's similar to something in our past, and this is how God did it then. Well, undoubtedly, God is going to do it the same way this time. Yeah. And when he doesn't, mm, yeah. frustration, anger, disappointment, yeah. sorrow, all these different emotions flood your life and we have set ourselves up for disappointment, amen. And in reality, there are more times that it doesn't happen the exact same way like it had happened before than there are times it does happen the exact same way. Uh, God, he just changes it all up and I think there's a reason he does that because if I think I can learn him down to just the, uh, every detail then I, I know where he's going, know what he's doing then I, I loosen up some of my dependency on him. But if I don't know what his next move is, I'm not standing or even attempting to stand at the helm of this ship. I need him there to give direction and to give control. So it's very key then in our walk with God, we need to be sensitive in knowing when the word of the Lord is coming to us. Amen. You want to know God's will? then get sensitive in knowing God's voice. Elijah, because the only way God's will is going to be made known to you is through His Word when the Word of God comes to you. Yes. So if you want to know God's will, get familiar with God's Word. Yes. Get familiar with God's yes. voice. Because yes. whatever that venue may be, amen, wherever it may lead, Hey man, we got to be sensitive to that. The Bible even illustrates this in Old Testament times concerning following the Spirit of the Lord or the Word of the Lord. In Numbers chapter number 9 in verse number 22 and 23 the Bible says or whether it were two days or a month or a year that the cloud tarried upon the tabernacle remaining thereon the children of Israel abode in their tents and journeyed not. But when it was taken up they journeyed yes. and 23 at the commandment of the Lord they rested in the tents and at the commandment of the Lord they journeyed yes. they kept the charge of the Lord yes. at the commandment of the Lord by the hand of Moses in other words they had that pillar of cloud that was by day and the pillar of fire that was by night and wherever the cloud went that's where they went Whenever it rested upon the tabernacle, they pitched their tent, they drove their stakes, they ate there, they slept there, they lived there. But the moment it began to move, began to go in another direction or another way, they would pick up stakes and pick up tent and continue also. But there's something important about all this tonight, ladies and gentlemen, that the Bible speaks that there was a rock that followed them in the wilderness from which they received water. Amen. The Bible speaks that there was manna that followed that cloud through the wilderness that gave them provision and food for them. Can I say this evening that if an Israelite had refused to move when the cloud moved or refused to halt when the cloud halted, amen, they would have been left, if you will, to be without sustenance, without provision of food and water because the food and the water followed the word and the presence and the spirit of the Lord. And so if they decide to do their own thing, they voided themselves of the sustenance and the provision, amen, of the Lord Jesus Christ because that rock and that manna was following the voice of the Lord. They were following Jehovah. If I could say like this, that provision was only found in the path of obedience. Amen. Only in the path of obedience. Amen. So most of the times we understand that God does not show all of the steps in the journey. He doesn't. For one thing, if we knew every step in the journey, many of us would never even start the journey. Some of the craggy corners that we have to come around, some of the steep hills that we got to climb, some of the depths of the valleys we got to plunge in. If we've seen all that from the place of origin from the start, woohoo! forget it, I'm not going on this journey. So he just shows us a little bit at a time. After we walk the section that he has shown us, he'll show us a little section more. Once we're in it, we're in it, aren't we? (laughs) We just got to live with it. We just got to make our way through it. So God doesn't show us all this all the time. But I do find this from my understanding of Scripture of Elijah, that many times fresh revelations happens after obedience to prior instructions. Amen. God said, does do this? He did that? New revelation about what's next. You do that? New revelation, what's next? Go down to Zerapath. It's the way that he operated with this character of Elijah. And I find it's the way that he operates with many of us today. In Mark chapter number 3, verse number 13, the Bible says, And he goeth up into a mountain, speaking of Jesus, and calleth unto him whom he would... They came unto him and he ordained 12 that they should be with him that he might send them forth to preach to have power to heal sicknesses and to cast out devils. Jesus is calling the 12 disciples, the 12 apostles unto him. He is ordaining these 12 individuals, 12 men to his side. But I want you to look at the progression of Scripture in verse 14. He ordained the twelve that they should be with Him. Number two, that He would send them forth to preach. Number three, that they would have power to heal sicknesses and to cast out devils. But primarily, the ordination of the twelve was so that they would have fellowship with Him. Amen. Now I can imagine as ministry would start, and they preached at a few little synagogue meetings along Galilee and Bethesda, man. Woo! Honey, we're in revival, Lord. Or maybe they had some casting out of devils or, or some healing of the sick, and all of this was taking place, and it was just tremendous. But there was one thing that should always should have stood out in the minds of those disciples: was that first and foremost, their reason for being ordained primarily was for fellowship with him and never along on their journey should their ministry of preaching or casting out devils or healing the sick should eclipse the fellowship that they should spend with him because imagine Elijah here he spoke his 25 word message now could you imagine that he evidently didn't have too many friends he's kind of in isolation and quarantine but imagine if he did I tell you what boys When word gets out concerning this 25-word message, my book's going to get filled. (laughs) I mean, there's no holding back. I'm going to have to get me a chariot and a horse to go from town to town to speak at the various synagogues and the amphitheaters. I mean, whenever word gets out, you're going to see my name on camels advertising the evangelism of Elijah. And there's just no stopping to this thing once all, once all the my schedule's going to get full. I want you to know, I've been in isolation for many years, but whenever word gets out about this 25-word message that I just gave, speaking engagements are just going to come. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but notice what happens. He does that. The Lord says, let's take you to isolation. Nobody else is around. The only person I am going to allow you to have any communion with is me because I don't want you to miss what's primary. I feel the Holy Ghost just right now to tell you tonight that sometimes maybe the things, listen to me real carefully here, some of the things that take place in our life, the reason why they do happen the way they do happen, perhaps God is calling us back to our own personal brook, Cherith, because there is all the clatter and the clang of everything else in our life, and he's trying to call us back into a place that, hey, fellowship with me. Fellowship with me, because I've seen whenever everything's and everything's fine, and everything's into your life, and sometimes that starts to get slighted by everything else. He says, so I'm calling you to a place of isolation, to a place of a brook. Nobody's around, and it looks like it's not really for your favor. But I'm trying to remind you of something. What's primary here is fellowship with me. Then... The preaching of the word. And then the casting out devils and the healing the sick. All these. What did the New Testament scripture tell us? Put ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these other things will be added unto you. So let's put our focus on him. And allow these other things just to fall into place as they should after. Because I dare to say we'll be in a constant mode of frustration if our focus is always targeting something else. We'll always be trying to find what God's will is. But we'll know God's will whenever we get to know God more and more. And His word will come unto us. So Elijah was, okay, I want you to have ministry, Elijah. Elijah. And I want there to be casting out devils. And there were many miracles in the lifetime of Elijah. We know that. We'll look at those as we go along. Several miracles in the life of Elijah. But all those was marinated with fellowship with the Master. They didn't come without periods and times of, uh, of quietness and isolation, of fellowship with the Master. As a matter of fact, later in our series, we'll come to a place of the, what would probably be the highlight and climax of the event of Elijah's life on Mount Carmel. The big battle of the, of the prophets of Baal and the prophets of Grove and seemingly one man that's standing for God you know. And we would see that, man, that's great! But Elijah's Mount Carmel experience came by the way of a Cherith and a Zarephath. In other words... A Mount Carmel triumph has a cherub somewhere in its past and every cherub is leading to a Mount Carmel. Mm -hmm. Every brook that I'm by in isolation is leading me to a mountaintop. Experience of grandeur and greatness but the cheriff is necessary to reach the destiny of the Mount Carmel. Cherith, in the Hebrew, meant to cut off or to cut down. Sounds like a great place to go. Many people have spoke this quote, but it is originated really by A.W. Tozer that it's doubtful that God can bless a man greatly until he has hurt him deeply. You know, there's many times in our life that we got to revisit Cherith. It's not just going there one time, but we got to revisit, Sheriff. we got to go to that place that's cut off. That place that is isolated. That place that is separated. Or sometimes we need to go to it as the place where we get cut down. I guarantee you, this boy right here, I need some humbling experiences in my life. Because if there is the arch enemy of humanity, I don't care who we are, it is a spirit of pride. We all need a cherith in our life to keep us humble, to keep us consecrated, to keep us separated unto the Lord. Amen. There are times that we need to draw apart. Jesus taught this to his disciples. Amen. Uh, The importance of a cherith in their life, being cut down or being cut off. He, he, He taught this to his disciples, not just by example, but also by commandment. The Bible says in Mark 1 and verse number 35, speaking of the Lord, in the morning rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place. Nobody's around. Always around the crowds of the multitude and teaching and ministry. No one's around. He, he went out there and prayed. Why did he do that? He understood. He said sometimes you just got to get by yourself. Right. Sometimes you have to separate yourself because whenever you separate yourself, you're also separating yourself from the influences of the multitude and the voices of the multitude and the verbiage and the opinions of the multitude. <laughs> and it's not always easy to hear the voice of the Lord when you're in the clamor of the multitude." Because some of them would stand up as though they were God and the voice of God and speak into your life. Sometimes you got to get apart. But he also commanded his disciples to do the same. In Mark 6 and verse 30, the Bible says, And the apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they they had taught. Look at this now. Man, they're excited. (laughs) They're proud. They have just had a great crusade of ministry. Lord, let me tell you what we taught over here and what happened. Let me tell you what we spoke. Oh, you sh- that crowd just went yeah. It was powerful, God. Yeah. He said, okay, boys. What was happening? <laughs> Ministry and casting out devils and healing sick was coming to an elevated place of fellowship with him. And he said, boys, look at the very next verse, verse 31, and he said to them, come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going. They had no leisure so much as to eat. It wasn't so much so that they were so heavily taxed by the people, but it was so they were so heavily so taxed in their mind about how great. God, let me tell you what we taught. Let me tell you what happened over here. And that's tremendous and fine, but in its proper level and place of order, not to miss fellowship with the master. Look what we're doing, Lord. This is great and tremendous. He said, hey, why don't we come apart? You boys come apart with me. Let me tell you, there's times in my life I take Psalms 23 absolute where the psalmist David said that he maketh me, that's the exact word, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. I find oftentimes in my own personal life, if severe sickness hits my body, let me tell you what I know that God oftentimes does through that. You know what he's doing to me? He's saying, you're not going to slow down? You're not going to take time apart? I'll make you lie down. Oh, yeah. And he make of me lie down in green pastures. You know, because whenever that lamb would lie down in green pastures or whatever it was, it was usually in a plentiful pasture, green pastures. And that as he was laying down, he would eat all the food within the circumference area of his body. There was sustenance still there, food there. He didn't have to go and expend all of his energies grazing here and there yonder. No, I'll make you lie down right here in a plentiful supply of green pasture. He so you got to come apart. you got to take some time. Because oftentimes it's at those places, as it was at the brook Cherith, that God directs us to those Cheriths. Oh, that's hard to stomach. God, you're directing me here to the brook Cherith. All my friends are over at the brook. Tabahaba, you know. <laughs> Whatever. You know, everybody else is. And you're telling me to go down here to the brook Cherith? You know, it's important to realize something here. That where God directs, He also provides. He gave Elijah some instruction, but He did not do so without giving him provision as well. Notice the two ways that the Lord supplied for Elijah's need while he was at this isolated quarantine brook. He provided through a natural means. The brook, the water that came from the brook, And we'll see this in a little bit. He really was supplying by supernatural means whenever he had the ravens that were coming and bringing bread and flesh every day. Notice, if you will, in verse number four of Elijah 17, the Bible says, and it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and notice the next phrase here, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. In verse number 9, later in the story of Zarephath, he told him to rise and get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to, belong to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded, look at the phrase again, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. In other words, before he commanded the prophet to go to Cherith, and before he commanded the prophet to go to Zarephath, he had already commanded the ravens and the widow to take care of him before he ever commanded him to go to the place that God had ordained for him to go. In other words, before there was a need in Elijah's life, God had already taken care of supplying the need that Elijah was gonna have in his life. The verbiage is, I have commanded I've already taken care of it. Yes, Go to Sheriff. I've already taken care of the supply. Yes. Go to Zerapath. I've already taken care. It's not like when you show up, you're gonna be, no, no, no. I've already taken care of it. We've already had a discussion with the ravens and they're already gonna take care of you there. Yes. Yes, sir. I've already laid it on the heart of the woman of Zerapath. She don't understand what's going on, but she is whenever you show up. And she's been commanded to sustain you There. I'm emphasizing that word there because if you go back to verse number four, God told him, Elijah, I commanded the ravens to feed you there. There. There was that brook cherub that God had instructed Elijah to go to. Let me say like this, that God didn't just give some general command to the ravens to feed Elijah anywhere. He went. The command wasn't, I commanded the ravens to feed you, meaning then wherever you go, they're going to feed you. No, I commanded the ravens to feed you there, the place that I told you to go. I commanded the ravens to feed you where I told you to go, that God-ordained place that I want you to be at. That's where you'll get fed. Mm -hmm. If I'd say, to be anywhere else, was to be outside of the provision that God had commanded for this man of God, Elijah. We go through a little mode of mind sometimes. Hey man, it doesn't matter where I'm at. It doesn't matter what I'm doing. You know, really what's going on right now, the choice that I make, it really doesn't matter. Well, if the prophet had chose to go anywhere else, the ravens would not have been feeding him there because the there that the Lord prescribed was a brook, Called Cherith. And that's where the provision was coming. It was the place that God said, that's where I want you. That's right. You step outside the place where I want you. Forget about bread and flesh in the morning and evening. It's not going to be there because there's nothing there that I ordain. That's right. That is the truth. That's good stuff there. <laughs> <laughs> Bishop's back here making puns. The word there, I mean, it's a broad term, I understand. By itself, it's a broad term. But in general, the word there means in or at that place. For Elijah, there was Cherith. For you, your there, your God-ordained place, may be a valley. Your there may be physical difficulty that God has you in. You're there, maybe just financial woe that God has you in. But He'll send provision. He's already commanded it to be right there, wherever you're there is. Someone say Amen. amen. Oh. Ezekiel 48, I get consolation from this verse Ezekiel 48 and verse 35. The Bible says it was around about 18,000 majors and the name of the city from that day shall be the Lord is there. One of the attributes or titles of the Lord, Jehovah Shama, which basically meant the Lord is there. <laughs> if I use then the definition of there, let's break it down like this. The Lord is in or at that place. Amen? The Lord is and or is at That place. So although the place may vary and be varied for each individual that's even sitting under the sound of my voice. Although our places where God has ordained for our personal lives may vary. I still know that the Lord, wherever there is, the Lord is there. He is in and at that place. And he's commanded personal provision for you. 1 Kings 17 and 5 Elijah's taken all this in the word of the Lord coming to him you know no doubt it probably came to him to even make his debut and it's coming to him a second time what I appreciate about the character of Elijah is this after those 25 words spoken scripture doesn't denote to us any hesitation in his response to the next step that God wants him to take although that next t- step looks like a place he just came from he doesn't hesitate he's not bartering with God he's not trying to throw ultimatums up will a deal with the Lord no hesitation God gave the instruction Elijah seemingly obeys without one question he just goes the Bible says to this brook called Cherith and he dwells there he lives there I mean, he doesn't even get a notion in his mind, well, you know, God probably, probably really just means just for tonight. You know, there's no sense in me unpacking my bags or, you know, doing anything. I mean, you know, this is really going to be short-lived. No, 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 no. He just took the instruction of God that he knew, Sister, Sister Nancy. He went there, and you know what? I believe he took on him the spirit of the Apostle Paul that in whatever state he was in, he found himself that I'm just going to be content in whatever state that I am in. Elijah understood that concept. Amen. He wasn't just spend a few hours there, a weekend there. The Bible says he dwelt. He lived there. Because whenever you start dwelling someplace and living someplace, it indicates that you're getting a little comfortable. You're content for the long haul. We used to travel in the travel trailer that had wheels for a purpose. Because every church we went to, wouldn't it have been just a great heartache as an evangelist, every church you go to, you go in there and you look for a house to buy? <laughs> go be here for seven days, but you know. Why wouldn't we do something like that? Because we're not gonna get comfortable there. <laughs> you know, we're not gonna get real contented there. We're just passing through. But Elijah, he said, whenever I go, he says, I'm-, I'm gonna live there. He said, "Although this is a place that just to, my, just to my flesh doesn't seem very favorable to me. God says this is where he wants me and says this is where God wants me and he told me to go and he's already made provision I'm going to live here until he says it's time to move the silence fills the room so the ravens would bring bread and meat to Elijah bread and flesh to Elijah they would come in the morning they would come in the evening they didn't bring enough for a week and say, here's your groceries for the month. No. They came in the morning. They came in the evening. It seems as though they just brought enough for about a few hours span of time from morning to evening, then evening to morning. We're going to give you enough to get you through the day and get you enough to get you through the night. Why, again, would God do something like this? Because the dependence, He doesn't want it to be dependent upon these things. He wants Elijah. I'm going to use you, Elijah. Going to be the man of God. If you're going to be able to hear my voice to stretch out and do different things and and pour salt into water and and have trees thrown. And if you're going to be able to be sensitive, do those things, you're going to have to know my word when it comes to you. And know my voice when it speaks to you. So I can't have you grow dependent upon things. I need you dependent upon me. Remember New Testament scripture, the Lord's Prayer, it's daily bread. Remember, the manna that was given in the Old Testament times, that manna was provided every morning. They didn't grab three days' worth. It was provided every morning. And so much in the book of Deuteronomy, as it was spoken to Moses, he said, as thy days, so shall thy strength be. You might not feel like you can tear up a tiger for the next 30 days. He said, but I'll give you the strength as your days come. If you live tomorrow, I'll give you strength for tomorrow. Amen. As thy days are, so shall thy strength me. So God chose here Elijah through these ravens to be fed. Ravens. Why is this so supernatural, Brother McGee? A raven is just a bird, you know. <laughs> Why is it so important? Because to Elijah, being from the Hebrew background, according to the law, a raven was an was unclean beast. It was an unclean animal. Furthermore, a raven was a, carn, a carnivore. It was a meat-eater. So God was allowing this bird who's an unclean beast that is a meat eater to carry meat. (laughs) It would be like us giving our kids suckers take the wrapper off say don't eat it, give it to your friend. Now if that happened, let me tell you it was a miracle and so we have we have this because see ravens for the most part they would feed upon they would find dead animals and they would find some carcass because they weren't going to go through the work of getting all this And so they were kind of forging if you will always trying to find their meat. God says I'm going to provide meat in their claws and they're going to this meat eating bird is going to supply you meat now that is a miracle that was by a supernatural means that God was choosing to feed Elijah delivered it in the morning delivered it in the evening And after a while, the Bible says, he had the natural means of the brook. After a while, the brook dries up. Several, several years ago, I preached a sermon called, After a While, the brook dries up. Because the words, after a while, denotes that it wasn't like one day Elijah went out to the brook and, oop, there it is, it's gone. No, it was after a while, it was like Elijah could see each day. Might have had his little stick out there. You know, the water level's dropped a few centimeters. Well, probably English back then, an inch. This has dropped a, 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 a few little fastens here and going out the next day, and it's went down a little bit more. And, and then what sets in is this. Did I hear the voice of God to come here? God's will for my, wife, my life, God says do this, I do it. But the water level's dropping. Did I hear the voice of God? Shoo, <laughs> I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. Did, 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 I, did I hear this I'm, the next day, you know, oh, you know, it, perhaps something's going to happen, you know, and everything's going to be all right. Dropped again. Dropped again. He's looking now at moist soil. (laughs) Picking up the sand and squeezing in his hands to get a few drops out that day. Goes out the next day in the arid heat of of, of the desert. It's parched now. It's cracked. It's parched. And after a while, the brook dries up. The the, the text is literally this, and it came to pass or it came to be. In other words, this this wasn't some unfortunate chance. This was something else that was God-ordained. After a while, literally at the end of days, as the New International Version has it, some time later. The Hebrew, though, brings out very importantly what after a while is. It speaks of, but at the end of specific days, God had the days numbered when the brook was going. He knew when he sent Elijah to the brook, the brook wasn't always going to be. Get, picture this in your mind. God intentionally sent Elijah to a brook he knew would dry up. Did. Y'all not so bad. Seriously. You're at the exact place that God wants you to be. He sent some of you down some paths where he knew it was going to dry up. Where he knew it was going to fail you. We see God's involvement now. The brook is dried up. He could have caused water to come out of a rock. He'd done it before. He could have caused water to come from a myriad of places. He could have had it come from a hollow place. Hey man, in the jawbone of a donkey. He had done it before for Samson. Could have had it happen. But that's not what happened. And by the way, do you remember why the brook dried up? Because there was no rain in the land. But why wasn't there any rain in the land? Because Elijah had prayed. The word of God. To do God as you said you would do. And God was simply answering a prayer of Elijah and staying true to his own word. By delivering him a dried up brook. Yes, because, say, a lot of times we get in that mode and God, the brook's dried up. And we got to retrace our steps and understand we ask God to do something back here in our past. And now, lo and behold, it materializes in our present. And we're like, God, this is great. But, you know, the timing, you know, this is not really what I was, you know, the timing of all this and, but some of our prayers are answered by our dried up brooks. By him closing doors in some places and opening doors in somewhere else. By us being frustrated and a little bit worrisome in some places because we're casting, what are we doing again? We're casting our dependence upon whom it should be back upon God. Elijah, would have you, listen to me, Elijah, would have you left Jericho? and went to Zarephath if I did not dry up the brook. Some of us would never make a move if we didn't get uncomfortable where we were. (laughs) I got a lot of faith in him, you know, and everything. But what, what have you done this? If I had not dried up the brook, but because now the brook is dry, when you hear the word of the Lord coming to you and saying, now go down to Zarephath, you know, as part great that sounds like a great idea, God. God was just answering this prayer. If you'll stand with me tonight. So I'm asking you tonight as a congregation. Talk about brooks and birds and bread. <laughs> Fantastic title. <laughs> Don't curse the dried up brooks in your life because they may be the result of your own prayer but I want to encourage you though with this that when one brook dries up God has another there for you in your life and whatever that new there May be in your life. He has already. Everyone say already. He has already arranged the supply. Before the need ever arose. He's already commanded provision. For that new there. But I cannot underscore. And emphasize this enough. For all of us this evening. Please, please, please. Be sensitive. Because wherever you are. Somewhere along the way, there's going to be a fresh word. The word of the Lord is going to come to you there. And it's going to give you distinct instructions about what to do. And our response needs to be full obedience. Because we won't know the next step until we fully obeyed in this step. In this juncture of the road. Can we bow our heads this evening? Can we bow our heads?